All right, we will uh, I begin. Now, remember, when, let me share my screen and so you should be able to see it. Okay, yeah, this is uh, the third session. The first, first session, remember, we talk about the Holy Spirit, who is He? Um, looking from scriptures. And then uh, last, the second session, we talk about His ministry. We talk about the gifts and the fruit. And so today, um, we want to talk about living and obeying, walking and listening. Just a quick uh, run through who is the Holy Spirit. He, uh, he is God, uh, God, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then also we remember we talk about in the Old Testament, uh, God's Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is not uh, someone or a new doctrine or something that came after uh, Jesus died and ascended and, and he, he, he sent the Holy Spirit. Actually God's Spirit was there uh, at the creation. So but... God's Spirit was only given to specific people for specific purpose. And in the New Testament, it was promised by Jesus uh, before he died and then poured out on the day of uh, Pentecost. And the, uh, uh, the task or the function of the Holy Spirit is to comfort us in times of difficulties. And the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. The Holy Spirit leads us into truth. And so uh, at the first session, I asked you, do you want more of the Holy Spirit? Okay, and or do you want to know more about him? And then uh, the second session, we talk about his gifts and his fruit, the correct teaching versus the wrong concepts. Okay, many of us, we get um, listen to different things, read different books, and, and so we, we get all confused. All right, and so in conclusion, uh, I ask that you, uh, if you, I think in your small group, some of you did try, if you don't know what's your spiritual gift and to remember that the spiritual gift is meant to build up the church, not to build up ourselves, not to, not, not for our, ourselves, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit then is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, uh, an ongoing process to become more holy through the process of uh, sanctification. And we say that the Holy Spirit sanctifies and enables uh, believers to bear good fruit in our lives. All right. And so for uh, in, in uh, part two, in conclusion, um, I, I ask that it is a deliberate choice to submit to the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. So tonight we will continue with that. What, what does the Holy Spirit do in our life or what we allow him to do? All right, now then we, uh, the prayer, if you remember at the end of uh, session two, um, uh, our prayer would be, help me to see you more clearly, to recognize your movement in my life. Now, very often uh, what the Holy Spirit leads us to do or is doing in us, we, we're very insensitive. Uh, we've not been uh, taught to be sensitive to the leading and prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so our prayer is that um, God would make us more sensitive to him uh, so that we can follow, uh, follow him. And then, um, so still I know I am selfish and rebellious. I need you to help me to be obedient when I recognize your leading. All right. And so that was our prayer at the end of the uh, second session. And so for tonight, um, I want to ask you, where's the Holy Spirit now? Everywhere. In us. In us. Everywhere. Some more. 
Okay, all right. If the Holy Spirit is everywhere, if the Holy Spirit is in us and with us, why then do we pray and ask, come Holy Spirit? If he's already in us and with us and all around us, why is it that when we pray, we pray, or even this song, I, 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 I chose this song, come Holy Spirit, I need you, come sweet spirit, I pray. If he's already here, why are we asking him to come? And then what is this? This is laying on of hands to receive the Holy Spirit, right? Now, some of us may have asked someone to pray for us so we can receive the Holy Spirit. Or maybe some of us have, have uh, also prayed for others to receive the Holy Spirit. And so the laying on of hands, again, this is something that uh, very common. And so we think that the Holy Spirit is not with us and we don't have the Holy Spirit. So I need to be prayed for, for someone to lay hands on me then I will receive the Holy Spirit. All right, now I want to move on to ask, did Jesus lay his hands on people? Answer? Yes. Yes, all right. Did he always lay hands on people when he wants to heal them? Yes or no? No. No? No. Not always, okay? Not always. Remember the time when the centurion came to him and said, the child is sick. And then he said, go. And, and on the way home, the centurion met the servants and found out that the child was healed. And Jesus never even went to the house. He was not even near to the child. Was he physically nearby when he healed? No. All right, and so um, lay, Jesus did not even lay hands all the time to heal. And of course, there are different ways of healing. Remember the blind man, okay? He took mud, spit on it and put the mud and then he healed. All right, and so then what about to receive the Holy Spirit? Okay, so healing, not always, even Jesus didn't always lay hands. What about um Receiving the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, on the day of Pentecost, anyone lay hands on the apostle when, they, when the Holy Spirit came upon them? No. No? Okay. All right. Then, remember Peter? Peter was on the roof and he had a vision, all right? And, and three times God let down a piece of a white sheet with uh, unclean animals. And Peter said, I will not take anything unclean. God was showing him a vision that you don't call anything or anyone unclean. And so then in Acts chapter 10, after that vision, Cornelius, who is uh, who's a non-Jew, had sent his people to uh, invite Peter to go over to Cornelius' house. Now, go back and read Acts chapter 10. Eh? Okay, Very, very interesting. You could see what is in Peter's heart. The, the, the servants came to where Peter was staying, and Peter did not invite them in. They stood at the gate and talked with Peter. Only after that conversation, Peter invited them in. 
And then the next day, when Peter went over to Cornelius' house, the first thing Peter said, you know, I'm not supposed to be here. And then, very interestingly, in Acts chapter 10, then Peter preached to them. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Did Peter lay hands on those who who heard his message? No. No, he would never touch them because they are uncircumcised. So you see how Luke recorded the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. Gentiles don't deserve the Holy Spirit. The uncircumcised don't deserve the Holy Spirit. And so this is what it is implied here. But the Holy Spirit came upon them and then they spoke in tongues and they praised God. Okay, that's Peter, no hands laid on anyone. And then Paul, okay, Paul in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Now, uh, what happened was that when Paul came, he met some believers and then he asked them, uh, he asked them this question. Yeah, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Okay, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Then they answered, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then Paul asked, what baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism. Then uh, Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Paul placed his hands on them. And the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues. There were about 12 of them. Now, in the case of Peter and Cornelius, we were not told how many of them, but then they listened to Peter's preaching. Peter did not touch them at all. But the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke in tongues, and then they praised God. But here with Paul, uh, Paul laid hands on them and then the Holy Spirit came upon them and so sometimes in certain churches or certain denominations they would ask you when you say I'm baptized they would say what's the formula of your baptism all right whether you are baptized with the Trinitarian formula okay now then what it means by Trinitarian formula is that Uh, to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All right, so Trinity. So these came from the word of Jesus. Remember Jesus in Matthew 28, 18, 19 says, go uh, and then uh, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All right, and so that's why as Methodists, our baptism is Trinitarian formula. Okay, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so remember earlier on, I said that the minute you receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is with you. All right. And so then, again, I ask you the question, where is the Holy Spirit now? He's in you. All right. And so then, do we then say, come? He's already there. So instead, what do we say? We say, welcome. 
Now, I am sure all of us, we have been to places where although people may smile and say welcome, but you know that you're not welcome, right? Whether you are visiting someone's home, whether you're in a gathering, you can sense that you are not welcome even though you are present. And so the question I think we need to reflect on, the Holy Spirit is in us, but is he welcome? Does he feel that he is imposing his presence? And I think that's a question, that's the first question you and I need to reflect on tonight. Okay, he is in us, but is he welcome? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? So the Holy Spirit is resident in us. But is he welcome? And so I want to show you this picture. We've all been guests, okay, at someone's home. At certain times, we may have overstayed our welcome. Right? I'm sure you all have been there. And the situation is a bit awkward. We should be leaving because you can sense that you're not welcome. You've overstayed. Some of us may have been tenant, uh, whether in our school days or in uh, our earlier on working uh, days. We rent a room in somebody's home. We're a tenant. Now, as a tenant, there's certain uh, areas of the house, there are certain things in the house that you cannot touch, cannot use, right? Some of us may have been there that, okay, you, you are only renting the room. You can't use the kitchen. You can't use the living room. You can sit down and watch TV. But some uh, landlords or flatmates may allow you to use uh, certain things. But what about the master? Now we live in our own homes. We can do anything we want. Now let me just ask you to imagine I come as a guest to stay in your house. All right. And I stay on. And after a while, I said, now I am the master of this house. How would you feel about that? No way, right? You're the guest. I am the master. But if the guest then becomes the master of the house, then the master can tell us the way that we do things, the way that we close our door, the way we push our chair, the way we cook our meal. That's not correct. Please change it. A guest can only make a suggestion. Oh, I think this is a better way. But the master can tell you, do it like this. Now, of course, we may feel very unhappy with what the master says, and we may not do it as what the master wants us to do. And so precisely, uh, my dear brothers and sisters, tonight we think, we say that the Holy Spirit is already in us. And the question is, is he a guest? The guest is confined to the guest room, to certain areas of the house, and do, please don't overstay. A tenant may be a more, slightly more permanent stay, but limited. No authority. I'm the master, you're the tenant. What about when the guest becomes the master of the house? 
And so then the prayer that I shared earlier on or, or in, in session two, still I know that I'm selfish and rebellious. I need you to help me to be obedient when I recognize your leading. You are now the master of my house. There would be some resistance. There would be some unwillingness. There would be some... Uh, 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 maybe to a certain extent we say, mm, I wish, you know, uh, I'm still the master because things are done differently. And so our prayer will continue. I asked you to, uh, for your help and comfort uh, today, uh, you know, my fears and anxiety, all right? Not just in this pandemic, but of the change. I may be so used to my own ways that I'm not willing or not ready to change. All right. And so then I think one of the things that we need to uh, really to, to think about and to reflect, are you willing to welcome a guest who wants to become the master? Okay. That's a question we need to be, we need to answer. All right. And so then there is this song says, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. I would love to change the words to Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my life. You're already here. But I may to a certain extent not quite welcome his presence. And so let's just spend some time, right? Uh, we're going to sing this song and then uh, take time to reflect. And if the Lord is speaking to you that he is not welcome, then I think let us pause and tell him, you are welcome in my life.
we need to ask, like I said, is he welcome? And if he's welcome, are we willing to live, to obey, and to trust him? All right, and so we need to work on this one first. Then we can be renewed personally. Now, many of you are parents, right? You may have uh, earlier on when children are younger, okay, you tell them what to do. Sometimes children would obey, right? Uh, eat all your vegetables, eat all your fruits. Well, they may pick at certain vegetables, certain fruits, and they don't obey completely. Or some may not obey at all. All right, and so as a parent, you would know what it means when uh, whatever you say is not um, completely uh, followed through, the frustration of the parents. And then also, if the child doesn't, uh, if you give an instruction and the child doesn't obey completely, because you know better, you can, you can see further. Um, and if the child refused to obey, not only it breaks your heart, but sometimes the child may get into trouble. All right, And so if we uh, think of it uh, in that way, and when you have the master who is living in you, tells you to do things a certain way or not to do certain things or to uh, do certain things, and we choose to either obey partially or not at all, then you also know the consequence. All right, and so my dear brothers and sisters, um, tonight I want to just, first of all, reflect. Is he welcome in our lives? He's already with us. And so sometimes we choose not to obey, we choose to obey partially, or we resent his presence. All right, and so that's the first thing that we look at. And then we come back to here and we say that the Holy Spirit comforts us, the Holy Spirit convicts the world. The Holy Spirit leads us. And so the Holy Spirit speaks to us and guides us. And so then, how does the Holy Spirit speak to you? Okay, now, I was just thinking that um, some of you here have been married for a long time. All right. Uh, a, how do you communicate with one another? Okay, uh, I'm not sure who's been married the longest uh, uh, here, uh, whether Singu or Lily, uh, Singu and Lily, uh, Miing and Jackson, or uh, In Siang and Peter. Um, how do you communicate? Uh, maybe if I can ask uh, Singu and Lily, okay, how do you communicate with one another? Talk. Yes, talk. <laughs> talk. Okay. If no words, can you still communicate? Yes. Action. <laughs> action, action gesture. I, I, I was thinking just now, my, my dad, whenever their guests come in, he would just do his head like that. And my mom would know, you know, he would just tilt his head and my mom would know, okay, go get a drink for the guests, you know? So mm -hmm. it's just a gesture. It doesn't have to be words. Right. Um, maybe if we don't know each other, then we need words. But as we get to know each other better and better, just a wink, you know, a, a tilt of the head, uh, uh, a gesture, uh, lifting up your uh, your shoulders, the other person knows what you're talking about. And I'm just even thinking, 
if there is no gesture. What about a sigh? <sighs> you know what I'm saying? You do, right? If you know each other very, very well, and especially with spouses. And then the other thing, Ming and Jackson. Ming, what do you call Jackson or what does Jackson call you? Daddy. <laughs> Daddy. Mommy, mommy. Okay. Daddy, mommy. Okay, all right. Okay. Follow our kids. Follow your kids. Okay, all right. So if Jackson call you and say, mommy, does he need to tell you I am your husband, Jackson? No, no need. No need. By uh, his voice, yeah. you know who he is. And if someone else called you and tried to fake his voice, <laughs> Mami, you know me, right? Yeah. Immediately, you know it is not him. Mm. You recognize his voice. And I'm just thinking, let's say, in a crowded room, okay, everybody is talking. And uh, Jackson, you hear somebody call you daddy. Would you be able to distinguish Mi'in's voice among the noise? Most of the time. And if she speaks very, very softly, would you still be able to distinguish her voice from other voices? Probably, yes. Probably, yes, because you've known her for so long. Mm. Right? Now... And that's exactly the Holy Spirit. So some of us, we say, ah, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I don't know if it's God speaking to me. And what is the answer? Because you don't know Him. Yeah. Right? And so I can fake, I can fake and say, oh, I'm me in. Right? And those of you who have been married very long, you know there's no way it can be faked. And in the midst of lots and lots of noises, Right. Some of you would be able to distinguish your child's cry. Uh, yeah, there's something. Okay, yeah. All the babies are crying. And you know that cry is my babies. <laughs> right? Yeah. Why? How is that possible? It's because your relationship with that person. And so when there's a fake voice, you know it. And among all the noises, you also know it. And so my prayer is that, so, so I, I, I'm sure many of us will say, yeah, I cannot tell whether it is the Holy Spirit speaking to me or it is some other voices because I really can't tell. All right, And the only way to be able to do that is to grow in our relationship. Right, And so those of you who are married for a long time, you will remember when you first got married or even when you're part of, then you, you got married and then you got to know each other better. A gesture like that, the tilt of the head, you know exactly what the person is talking about. And so my prayer is that that would be your relationship with the Holy Spirit and my relationship. That we grow in our relationship that will be able to tell his voice among all the noises. And if someone is, try, is uh, trying to fake it, we know it. Right? And so then, how does the Holy Spirit speak to us? Okay? First of all, of course, he speaks through God's word. All right? Now, I call it a light bulb moment. 
The Bible is just words. And some of us have read and read and read and read, just, just words to be read. But some of you would know that at certain point, when you have read, you've read that verse zillion times, but suddenly on that day, at that moment, that verse just light up like a light bulb. And that's when the Holy Spirit opened our eyes, lights up our mind, and then we see the truth in God's word. And I like Adeline, when you shared earlier on, you were down and you suddenly remember a verse and that verse just is the right verse for you. All right. And so how do we then identify and get to know the Holy Spirit better? We need to read God's word. It is not a task to be done. Sometimes they say, oh, must do your quiet time, must do your devotion. It is not. It is reading a love letter. It is reading a, a letter from someone who loves you and you want to find out what he wants to say to you. And so we pray that as we read God's word, there would be light bulb moments. And that's when we know the Holy Spirit speaks to us. All right, and that word that just just come alive, okay, for that particular moment, for that particular day, for a particular need. All right. Then the next thing is that see, I draw the elephant here. Yeah? I have a picture of an elephant. Elephant is supposed to have good memory. The Holy Spirit speaks by reminding us of Jesus' word. In John 14, 26, Jesus said, The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now we forget. We forget things. Okay, uh, It doesn't come with old age. It comes all the time. Whatever age you are, we forget. Now, when we forget things, when the Holy Spirit reminds us then you will see that it is such a beautiful uh, relationship. Now, remember sometimes you just either uh, you're, uh, uh, you're down or you're thinking about something and out of the blue, you just suddenly remember a Bible verse from a long, long time ago. right? I think that Dave Meeting was also saying that you no, know, long, long time ago, the first Bible verse that you, re- you uh, tried to memorize it just came back, right? That's the elephant moment. Or that Bible verse is meant for someone else, right? You're talking to someone and someone is uh, 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 needing a comforting word. And what, 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 what verse can I give? Again, the elephant moment, the verse comes. What about a hymn or a song? Um, uh, some of you would know uh, uh, Kiching, uh, our associate lay leader, a few months ago he said he was asleep he just suddenly woke up and this song was ringing and ringing in his head and he cannot remember the title of the song but the song says God is almighty, God is in control and at that point Kiching was uh, not well uh, physically, and he was going through a treatment, and that verse came to uh, that song came to him, and so that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, what about lost things? We've all lost things, 
and we think and think and try and try and we can't find it. Have you thought of asking the Holy Spirit? Or sometimes we forget things. I forget. I, I forget a lot. All right. I forget to call people. I forget to do this. I forget that. And so I always say, Holy Spirit, just, you just have to remind me. If I forget something, just remind me. Uh, Adeline, I forgot to get the poster for you. And so I was reminded today. And so that's what the Holy Spirit would do when he reminds us. Then I call it the grace moment. Okay, The Holy Spirit speaks by teaching us all things. Okay, Same verse, John 14, 26, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And so my question is, what? What is all things? All right. What does he know? What does the Holy Spirit know? Can someone answer that question? What does the Holy Spirit know? Everything. Okay. Yeah, he knows everything. All right. What about you? What do you want to know? You want, yeah. to, know you want to know everything also? Yeah, same. Okay. When you know, what will you do? What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit letting you know something? What will you do with that knowledge? Is it meant for yourself? Or is there a task for you to do? And so some of us, we may have experienced it, but we don't realize that. I'll show you here three pictures. Does the Holy Spirit know that somebody is hurting and you don't know it? And so what would he do? He tells you so-and-so is hurting. What are you doing about it? You would need to, you know, uh, take an action, call the person, reach out to the person, hug the person, cry with the person. Has any one of you experienced that? That the Holy Spirit just suddenly tell you, so-and-so is hurting. So-and-so needs you to be there. In my ministry, many times, I've not, I'm not always obedient, I can tell you that. Right? So when the Holy Spirit knows who is hurting and who needs a comforting word, and if, if and when he tells you, what will you do? The second thing is, of course, a need. The Holy Spirit knows our needs. Knows the needs of everyone whether it is for money, whether it's for food, whether it's for items. And so when the Holy Spirit tells you there is a need, what will you do? It is really amazing. I think some of the leaders here would, uh, would know about it. Um, uh, last year, uh, I, I, I think it was like October, November last year, uh, when we... Um, uh, sort of look at our accounts, we had a surplus. 
And so my suggestion to the LCEC is that out of our surplus, we tithe. Okay, we take 10% out and we give it, give it to a need. But of course, we don't know what is the need. So we say, God, you lead us to the need. And then we, uh, we found out that there are two churches, one in Bintango, one in Kanawit. Uh, they had need. All right, the one in Bintangon needed to uh, wall up the downstairs. The, the church is a wooden house. They needed to wall up downstairs to make it a worship hall because some of their members were getting uh, uh, older and cannot climb upstairs. And I remember when I called the lay leader and I said that um, we heard that you're going to build up, you know, uh, uh, needing some funds to build uh, the wall downstairs. Her immediate reaction is, how do you know? And I say, I don't know. But my father knows. And my father and our father pointed it out to us. And so there are many, many times, Ming Hong can testify, uh, two young boys in desperate need uh, got stuck at KL Airport. Uh, Ming Hong doesn't know. Eunice doesn't know. But the Lord knows. And the Lord sent the two of them to help the two young men. And so, back to the question. The Holy Spirit knows there is a need. And when He tells you, what are you going to do about it? Will you be obedient? And finally, the story of Jesus at the well, uh, the Samaritan woman at the well. She needed to hear the gospel. She had, you know, come to the well for so long and have never heard that there is a Messiah for her. And Jesus came and then she knew. She heard the gospel. And so she was able to run back and tell her relatives. And so if the Lord is to let you know that there is somebody who needs to hear the gospel, are you willing to obey? For some of us, we may have been praying and praying and praying for someone to be saved. And the timing never seems to be right. You know, uh, uh, we shared and the person rejects. We pray, we continue to pray and ask the Lord to point it out to someone at the right time, at the right moment to share the gospel. I was just thinking uh, many years ago when I was in Mary, I didn't know. I didn't know this couple. Okay, I didn't know this family. Uh, they used to go to the Chinese church. Um, the wife and the children uh, have accepted Christ, but the husband has rejected for years and years. The husband has rejected. One Sunday morning, the wife woke up late for church, for her Chinese church. And so she decided, she found out that there is an English-speaking church nearby, but the service is a bit later. So she just sort of walked in as a visitor. And then a sister reached out to her, talked with her, and she shared that her husband had just been diagnosed with cancer. And so the sister prayed with her. And, and, and that's it. Never thinking that the second week she would come back. So the second week, Christian sister came back and I was there to preach. 
And so the, the, the church members say, oh, let's ask the pastor to pray for your husband. But somehow I didn't get to meet the person. And then that afternoon, I got a call to ask if I could visit the husband at the hospital. And I said, okay, we'll go at uh, four o'clock uh, after I've taken care of my mom's needs. Then the, 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 the wife called us and said, no, four o'clock's not convenient. Maybe you can come later. So then we changed it to five o'clock. And I remember this very well. At five o'clock when we arrived at the hospital, the husband is quite ill. We met, we were going into the lift. The doctor came out of the lift. And when the doctor saw us, told us that there's nothing else medically that can be done. So we went upstairs, met up with this uh, 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 person, this man. We shared the gospel and immediately he said yes. And just that timing. And so it reminds me that when the, I mean, the Holy Spirit knows that there is a need. The Holy Spirit knows that the person is ready to receive Christ and tells us about it. But if we are not obedient, then the grace moment would be lost. And so together as a family here at FMC, individually we have said, we ask ourselves, is the Holy Spirit welcome in our lives? Are we willing to let him be the master? Collectively as a church, then the question is, are we also welcome him? Are we willing to be obedient? Are we willing to trust that when he tells us something, it is not for us to just keep that as an information. There is always a reason that he lets us know there is a need somewhere. There is somebody who is hurting. There's somebody who's ready to hear the gospel. Are you willing to respond <clears throat> to that information, to that knowledge? And so then collectively, we need to say that what a gift the Holy Spirit is to us. As individuals, as a church. He's our friend, the very best friend. He's our helper. Things that I don't know, things that I can't do, things that I forget. I ask him for help. And so he can assist us in countless ways. He's our teacher, okay, who lights up our mind, the light bulb moment. He reminds us, uh, speaking the truth about Jesus, about ourselves, about the world, the grace moment, the elephant moment. And so ask him what he wants you to remember and to do. And then thank him abundantly for every way he works on your behalf. And so I'll pause here for you to ask any questions. And then later, before you break into small group, I will, I will share with you the questions that you can discuss in your small group. Okay. Any questions, any thoughts, any reflection? So when you talk to Holy Spirit, do you pray to Holy Spirit or you pray to, uh, you specifically pray to Holy Spirit? Or the Father or, or God. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, just, just a curious. Yes, good question. You see, because with our finite minds, um, it's very hard to understand the Trinity, 
Okay, God the Father, uh, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All right, so that's why the question I ask, where is the Holy Spirit now? All right, and so um, uh, James, when you said when you pray, all right, um, I would be praying to God the Father, all right, but I will also be addressing Jesus depending on the situation. But I'm sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. All right, I, I would also pray, Holy Spirit, help me. I can't remember that, that task or I can't remember what I need to do. Please help me. Okay, so, so in a way, it is, it is more like a conversation. Maybe not so much like a prayer, prayer, you know, um, needing help, uh, needing guidance. You can pray to the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, uh, in the beginning, Reverend Anita, just now you asked the question, since the Holy Spirit is within us, mm-hmm. why do we still lay hands on people and pray for the Holy Spirit to fill them? So can you maybe um, explain, explain that as well? Uh, okay, to fill is, to be to, uh, is different from to receive. Uh, there are some churches that practice that the pastor or certain people lay hands and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Christians, when we receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is already resident in us. When we pray for filling, that means we pray for the person to be willing to be more obedient, to let the Holy Spirit have more control over your life. So in that sense, so some of these words, sometimes we, because we have heard so many things and we know we, I mean, even I myself have gone to, meetings where where you know i will go forward and and have people lay hands on me and say i want to receive the holy spirit in my younger days right uh, until i find out and read out more and i realize i already have the holy spirit the only thing is i'm not obedient right he is still very much a guest in my life and sometimes i resent that guest until I realized that, yes, he is not a guest, more and more, I'm letting him be my master. Not yet, <laughs> okay, but more and more. So I think with the analogy of the guest, tenant, and master, it's easier for us to understand. All right, we all have guests who comes and stay with us, but, but if they overstay, we, we get very resentful. Or if they try to take over our home, we also get very resentful. All right, and so there must be a willingness to surrender and say, you're not my guest, you're actually the master. Thank you, Pastor Lenita, for the analogy of the guest or the tenant and the master, because it reminds me that the Holy Spirit or, or the situation with the Holy Spirit can be dynamic, mm-hmm. because we're remem- reminded sometimes by the Bible or by songs that sometimes the Holy Spirit can be quenched. Mm. Or can be put out yes. like a fire. Yes. But equally, like the fire, it can be fanned into flames. Mm. So I think it's a dynamic situation and we can be in different states of our lives mm. where this Holy Spirit can be seen or manifest at different measure. Yes. So I think um, the mm. idea that it can exist in different different welcomeness mm. is uh, very helpful. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's right. The fire can be quenched or the fire can be helped, you know, uh, and, and then fan, fan uh, into uh, brightness. Yes. Yeah. 
uh, I have experience attending a charismatic church mm. by all these their prayer with uh, Holy Spirit and uh, speak in tongues. Mm. I'm not so sure whether it's my own problem or because our you know our Methodist culture and their their methods is uh, I feel discomfort mm. during the, the the so I'm not sure whether it's my own problem or is there whether it's is right. is a Holy Spirit really is there or so I uh, sometimes is a uh, myself I have a conflict inside there. Mm. So is it our Methodist way of Christianity or their way of Christianity mm. or so yeah. how, how do we explain this in our <laughs> yeah how do we reason it yes yes um an experience um or rather I would say our Christian experiences of uh, we we're all varied now huh? like I said you no know, um we have we have gone to different kinds of meetings. Uh, a good analogy would be even songs, singing, all right? Some of us really prefer hymns, okay? But some of us would prefer uh, the more contemporary songs. But all the songs are worshipping God, all right? And so because of our upbringing, because of our exposure, we are more used to a certain form of worship service. And so in some churches, when the music is a bit loud, when people are more uh, expressive, uh, some of us may feel comf- comfortable, some of us may not. I, 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 I guess it depends on which church you go to and what's the occasion. Uh, some can be quite, and we're not used to it, so we can get quite uncomfortable. Um, this inspiration is not a problem. I think the main problem is their uh, how to say prayer and healing yeah and and it, it varies okay uh the whole range depending on where you go which country which church prayer and healing it's part of our christian teaching all right methodists also do have prayer services where they are uh, uh, where we pray for healing we do also lay hands but i want to just say that laying hands is not magical Okay, this, this pastor lay hand, sure, sure, sure get healed one. Sometimes we make it very magical. You know, uh, uh, some of us, we have seen magic show, just like that, something happens. Christian faith is not like that. Uh, God is not a magic, you know, uh, 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 he cannot be controlled and he should not be uh, controlled like uh, the way we do magic. So there's nothing magical and for healing, uh, there are many, many ways of healing. Maybe the next uh, 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 series should be on healing. Uh, when we pray for healing, all of us want immediate physical healing right now, right? But is that the case? Depending on our uh, what we have gone through. And so that's why this series is to help us look at what the Bible is teaching. And so when you go to meetings where must lay hands, it is not the case. I gave you some examples. Jesus didn't lay hands all the time. Okay, Peter didn't lay hands and they received the Holy Spirit came upon the hearers just by the preaching of the word. All right, and healing. Uh, Paul himself, his thorn in the flesh was never healed, never taken away. And the way that Jesus healed can be immediate, can be in stages. 
I mentioned the centurion servant was healed. Jesus wasn't there. He could have done it for Lazarus. He didn't. He allowed Lazarus to die. Maybe I, I should say that the bottom line is that God is not in a box where he always acts in the same standard way. Alison used the word dynamic. Okay, Our relationship with God is dynamic. God is almighty. God is in control, not us. And so it's a relationship that we need to grow and build up. I hope that's helpful, James. <laughs>